0: Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the Gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. Thank you Lord. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, as we stand before the cross, we are in awe. Lord, our minds can't take it in. Our hearts can't take it in. You did that for me. For the world, yes, but for me. And for those people that I find hard to get on with, you did it for them too. Lord, you did it for all. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would continue to increase in every person here, Lord, for the rest of our lives, insights into Jesus, what you did on that day. Because we can't take it in today or tomorrow. But Lord, would you help us to grow in our awareness, not only of what you did, but therefore, Lord God, of who you are, that you would do that for us. And so we honor you this day. And our deep desire is to honor you with our lives and with our lips. And so we pray, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All desires are known. From you no secrets are hidden. Inspire and move us through your word by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may live lives worthy of the calling that we have received. For the glory and honor of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may take your seat. It is good to be with you on Good Friday. It's my privilege to bring the word today. Recently, my wife and I finished watching a TV show, and it was a bit of a messy TV show, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the, The center of the TV show was a workplace, and this workplace was Cutthroat, Everyone there was out to get each other. There was active plotting and planning and scheming to take each other out. And sometimes people were teamed together in order to do a hit job on someone else in the uh, organization, in the workplace. It was an absolute mess. There was chronic discord. There was disharmony. There was... um, and a real active sense of uh, ensuring you got plausible deniability uh, so that you would never get caught doing anything. But there was constant tension, there was discord, there was conflict. It was pretty painful to watch, I have to say. (laughs) But it was quite interesting at the same time. But this is one way of life that the Bible describes. And one of my friends, uh, he went to high school in another country, and he actually said that his high school experience was like that. He said it was terrifying it was draining it was exhausting and I'm sure no other parents can relate to this but parents on our kids worst days <laughs> it can seem sometimes that there is constant fighting and tension and discord and conflict and it can be draining and exhausting why because each person is only looking out for themselves and it's almost like there's open warfare with everybody else, potentially. And the Bible says that this actually is a core human problem. You know, it's pretty scary if your kids behave that way. And then it's even more scary if you think, well, where did they get it from? And you're like, oh, I'm not going to look in the mirror. And I'm certainly not going to bring my wife because she is much more of an angel than I am. But the Bible says that actually this is a core human problem. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. You know, calling us sheep isn't a compliment. But it does reveal the heart of God, who is our good shepherd. And he wants to look after and take care of us, his sheep. Christian thinkers, for many years, like Augustine and Luther and others, have described sin in this way. They use this Latin phrase, homo incavatus in se, which means the human person turned in upon themselves. The opposite is love, love for God, love for others, an outward focus. But sin, what it does is it turns you in upon yourself. And it's not pretty, it's ugly. And so have you ever wondered why there's so much ugly stuff in the Bible? There's a bunch of ugly stuff in the Bible. Why is it there? Well... It's because the Bible tells the world's true story, and the world's true story involves real people, and real people do ugly stuff on the outside because they got ugly stuff going on on the inside. But there's something really cool about the fact that the Bible depicts really deeply flawed people, and what's cool about it is this. If God could work through them, then I qualify and he can work through me, and he can work through you, and he can work through us. God isn't looking for a perfect people to work through and empower with. He's working for real people with all their problems and flaws and failings, and he did it through them. He's going to do it through us. You're welcome to say amen if you like anything I say. But the Bible describes there's a second way of living, a second way of living. As a kid, as a teenager, I enjoyed watching Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) I was trying to figure out whether it's kind of half or two-thirds of you potentially just judge me in that moment, but I am secure in my sci-fi-loving ways. But what I enjoyed about the TV show, amongst other things, was it depicted really good teamwork under this fantastic actor, Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart. Um, But there's just this beautiful teamwork and harmony amongst the team. There was a respect for each other's strengths and each other's expertise and giftings. So there was a mutual respect. There was an honoring one another. There was a deferring to one another. There was this stunning synergy as they got together. And only together could they overcome great obstacles and actually achieve great things. And that that picture of synergy, of people working together, of preferring one another in love, of teaming together, not out to get to one another, but holding each hand and going forward together, that is a picture of what God desires for us. That is the second picture that the Bible gives us about human life. Have you ever been part of a flourishing team? I think I've experienced this in moments when I play football. Uh, I play soccer. You may play other kinds of football. That's cool. Um... And I wouldn't say that all the football teams I'm in have experienced this all of the time, absolutely not. But on occasion, there's this synergy that just happens and it's so fun. And I'm not a muso, but I hear that musos have a similar experience when they're on music teams. Maybe you've had this in your workplace, I don't know. But that picture of synergy, of working together, that is God's heart for humanity. Synergy with each other and with the Lord. And so we have these two ways of living. The first is turned in upon ourselves, turning to our own way, which can lead sometimes to discord and fighting and tension and conflict and being out to get one another. And when something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault, never my own. Or working with others as part of a flourishing team, mutual respect, working together, joy, celebrating one another, harmony, synergy. Good Friday is God the Son becoming a human being in Jesus of Nazareth, and he goes to the cross to deal with the first way of living in order to make the second way of living possible. That is what Good Friday is about. It is about problem resolved in order to bring about purpose restored. Good Friday is about problem resolved in order to bring about purpose restored. And scholars have over a dozen different ways of analyzing how is it that Jesus saves us. And there's so many different ways of describing this. I'll just mention a few. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane obeys God undoing the disobedience that Adam gave in the first garden. Jesus does not grasp for position with God, Philippians 2. And so he undoes Adam's grasping for position with God in the garden. Jesus' death on a tree undoes Adam's eating from the tree. Jesus is the Passover lamb who experiences death so we don't have to. It's beautiful to look into the different ways that we understand that Jesus saves us. And I actually teach a whole course on this advert moment Alpha christian university christ and salvation probably be teaching it next year it's an awesome course you should check it out end of advert we move on <laughs> but the point isn't understanding all the different ways that he saves us although when you understand more and more of them it just lifts your heart and worship more and more but the point is realizing that he saves us first peter 2 verses 24 and 25 jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right notice that so we can be dead to sin problem resolved in order to live for what is right purpose restored by his wounds you are healed once you were like sheep not a compliment who wandered away but now you have turned to your shepherd the guardian of your souls so Good Friday is about problem resolved not for the bad people but for people who can be bad and that's all of us So Jesus doesn't give us the solution. He gives us himself because he is the solution. And this is really important. Sometimes salvation can be kind of conveyed perhaps as this thing that we kind of take, enjoy, receive, and then get on and live the rest of our life pretty much how we did before. Doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't give us the solution. He gives us himself because he is the solution. And when the Lord of all creation gives you himself, the relationship changes. I can tell you that you're not Lord anymore and nor am I. The solution, problem resolved, is not medicine that he gives, it's the life that he lives. And the solution is connecting our life to his, like grafting a branch to a living tree. And there's this organic connection. And so life afterwards is different from life as it was before, because now it's in organic connection with the one who is the Lord of all. And the one who is the Lord of all, who doesn't reign in an oppressive way, but he reigns from the throne of the cross, showing his love, showing his humility. So how do we share in problem resolved? How do we share in this life that he gives? Well, really simple. Confess, repent, believe. And I know that these are religious words, and and if you're not familiar with them, just tolerate them for a moment and let me explain because they're actually very rich and they're very helpful. Firstly, confess. And I'm going to just model this for a moment. And as I model it, if you want to join in with me, if this is like, I need to do this, would you do it right now? I'm going to model it join me if you would like why don't we just close our eyes right now we pray this lord god i recognize that i have kept you at arm's length i've lived my life my way i've done my own thing and lord i haven't recognized that you actually have a rightful call over my life because you created me for yourself and you created me to do wonderful things with you and for you and lord i've kind of done my own thing and i am sorry and so i stop living that way I stop living with you at arm's length and today I bow the knee. I change, I repent. I change my way of thinking. I change my way of living that I'm not going to live my way anymore. I'm going to live your way from now on. And I believe, I believe Jesus that what you did on the cross was enough. What you did on the cross was power to transform, to forgive, to enable, to change me. And I believe in you, Holy Spirit, that you will enable me to live for Jesus from this point forward. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I really encourage you to talk to someone after the service. So confess, repent, believe. Good Friday is about problem resolved, but it's also about purpose restored. 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin, problem resolved, in order to live for what is right. Purpose restored as a young man i was thinking about becoming a secondary school teacher i have some teachers in my family and so i thought oh that might be something worth doing Uh, i was living in london at the time so i applied for secondary school training i got in i was accepted and then i thought well before i do the training what i'm going to do is I'm actually going to go to a couple of classrooms in in real schools and observe real lessons obviously i got the teacher's permission first kind of weird otherwise i'm like yep back at school (laughs) and so i went along to a couple of schools and i observed lessons And one of the schools in particular, and it wasn't an especially bad school, what I observed was scary. The teacher seemed to spend the majority of her time in crowd control. And I mean like this was a riotous crowd (laughs) of scary teenagers. And she spent so much time in crowd control that she actually got very, very little teaching done. And it struck me that I don't even think she was a particularly bad teacher. I think she was very committed and I think she was good at what she did. And so I kind of concluded later Thank you, Lord. I never want to be a secondary school teacher. (laughs) But I honor those who are teachers. Gosh, we need you. And so I honor you. If you're a primary secondary, whatever it is, man, honor you and appreciate you. But imagine if a teacher thought that their primary purpose in the classroom was crowd control. Imagine if they thought their primary goal in the classroom was crowd control. What would we say? It's a bit silly, right? Missing the point. You try and do crowd control for a purpose in order to be able to teach. It's the same with parenting. The point about parenting is not crowd control. I know it can feel that way. But the point about parenting is to get on and do life together with your kids, with your family. That's the point. Parents and future parents, if you were to design the perfect day with your kids, what would it involve? If you were to design your perfect day with the kids, what would it involve? I think for mine, it would probably involve a walk or a cycle through the woods near where we live. It'd probably involve a swim in the morning, enjoy some really good food, then probably play some card games, maybe a board game. Then we might uh, do some reading together, do some one-on-one reading with each of the kids. I think the older ones would then join in and do some reading back because they can read as well. And then we'd probably eat some more and then maybe play Mario Kart or some other computer game or something. And then we'd probably eat some more and we'd pray together and we'd worship together. And will be that's what parenting's about. That's what we're created for in terms of parenting. Amen? And the crowd control is a means to get there. Good Friday is not only about problem resolved, it's about purpose restored. We're invited to friendship with God. The point is is that sin gets in the way, that sin nature, the homo and covatus, and say it gets in the way of friendship with God. So Good Friday is about dealing with that so that we can be friends with God. That's the point. That's the point. One of my favorite Bible verses is 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1. And it says this, as God's workers, and it's hard to translate that. Um, so I've given you the Greek word behind it, Um, From where we get the word elephant. No, we don't. We get the word synergy. <laughs> as God's co-workers, sorry, bad preacher joke. What can I say? I have a, a skilled mentor. I'm <laughs> just joking. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What's interesting about that verse, first is it's scary that it's possible to receive God's grace in vain. That's scary. But the second thing that's amazing is God says he wants to be co-workers with us. Wow. Let me give you a picture, and it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible that depicts this so beautifully. So I want you to join me briefly in Genesis 2, and this is about theology, not zoology, so just to be clear on that. Uh, But join me in Genesis 2 and see this beautiful partnership that God designed not just for the first human being, but for all of us now the lord god had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky he brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature that was its name so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky and all the wild animals god created all the animals do you think he needed our help to name them heck no so why did he give us that job that responsibility because he desires partnership He desires, and and get this, the privilege of this partnership is huge. This isn't token partnership. This is real. Whatever, verse 19, whatever the man called them, that was its name. That we are created to make a lasting difference. And once we make a change, God may not undo it. That may be it. What an enormous privilege that he has called us to this kind of partnership with God, that to work with him in order to make a better world. Isn't that exciting? And also notice the proportions of the partnership. How hard was our job and how hard was his? Our job, naming. His job, creating everything. (laughs) Guess the proportions I think about right. (laughs) So our world is in a bit of a mess right now, globally and locally. But God invites us to partner with him to create a better world, to create a better Brisbane. He invites us to partner with him to advance his kingdom, to push back evil to extend his merciful rule, to extend his just reign over planet earth. And the cool thing is that God is not calling you to be his employees. He's calling you to be his friends. You are called to be God's friend. He's calling us to be his co-workers, his co-laborers, his partners. The Greek word is synergeo, which does not mean elephant. (laughs) It's from where we get the word synergy to cooperate, to put forth power together, to achieve something together that is different from what we might have achieved on our own. You know that God's got places for you to go, people for you to see and love, things for you to do, purpose restored. But that's only possible when we first enter life in Christ in the first place. So how do we grow to into purpose restored? How do we grow mature in Christ? We confess, we repent, and we believe. And we need to do this every day. And it goes something along these lines. Father, I'm sorry. I confess my sin that you have called me to love you with all of my heart and to love people with all of my heart. And I haven't. I love you too little. I love other things too much. My loves are in the wrong places and my ordering and my priorities are wrong. And Lord, I'm sorry. That's kind of a daily thing, eh? And then repent. Lord, would you change the way I think? Would you change the way I prioritize? Would you change my thought patterns? Would you change my habits, Lord, so that I might live a life that is the kind of life you've created me for, not getting stuck in the mud? And Lord, I believe that what you did on the cross is enough and powerful. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that you are able to change me from the inside out, that where I don't have power to change myself, you have power to change me. Would you do that, Lord? And I'm convinced after being a Christian for a couple of years, uh, being pastor 11 years and being a theologian for a while as well, I'm convinced that pretty much every aspect of growing up in Christ comes through confession, repentance, and belief every day. To put it really crudely, to put it really crudely, the cross is crowd control for our sin nature, problem resolved. And we need it. And you need it. And I need the cross every day. And only pride says something else. But it's not about problem resolved. It's about purpose restored. The cross is a filter that takes away all that is not Christ-like in us over time. The cross is also a doorway to purpose restored. The cross casts a beautiful light that colors all of life on the other side of that doorway. How do you step into purpose restored? Confess, repent, believe. We're about to share in communion together. In communion, you're taking the life of Jesus into your life. For problem resolved. For purpose restored how do you share in the power of the cross to overcome sin in your life how do you overcome homo incavatus and say and yes i had to practice the latin how do you enter the doorway of life how do you grow up in christ and become mature the answer to all of these is practice confess repent believe And so, Lord, we hand ourselves to you today. And, Lord, as we get into communion in just a moment, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And we thank you, you have more for each of us. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.